Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize you were just going to, you know, start it right back up and do, oh, crap, I got an empty one. Shit. <laughs> I won't whistle any more than that. I'll get sued. Copywriters. Copyright is for for whistling. Uh, if I had continued on with the tune any further, I think then those two notes Disney would have come for me. Oh yeah. I was doing like whistle on your work. Oh. See, I thought you were gonna do something totally different. Oh no, yeah. Well, either way, they're still coming for us in the night. Uh huh. <laughs> all. Um. All right. Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. I am your host, Paul, and I am joined as always by Lauren. Hi! Uh, This is an exciting episode. It's our first Halloween episode. We're recording this obviously not on October 1st, but it's it's dropping, uh, you know, on the start of the month, uh, and it's going to begin a, a whole string of exciting content that we have for y'all coming up for this first episode i wanted to make it something fun you know all month long it's themed content for halloween um and i wanted for this first one to do something fun lauren hadn't picked anything that we had covered and so i thought that i would let lauren pick uh and obviously at this point it's been revealed that she picked the the grindhouse yeah grindhouse so um what 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 made you decide to to pick it dear well, I mean, you had been talking about it, and I loved the idea of this kind of, like, almost, ah, gosh, you know, when you're, like, in, in college, and they give you projects to do where it's, like, this is what you're gonna be doing in the real world, but you have to, like, mush it up with a with another person. It kind of reminded me of that. Okay. You so know what I mean? Doing, like, a, you know, like, two sort of group project things that have to be merged. Yeah, because, like, I think that both of these movies, like... I, I've been familiar with um, both Robert Rodriguez's and Quentin Tarantino's works prior to watching this, and it was really interesting to see how they not only took what they were familiar with, but kind of adapted it into the into this very specific style. And it was just like, it was just really fun. Honestly, I think that both of these movies are, are a blast in two totally different directions. Yeah. Um, well, um... No, I completely agree. Um, you know, we had had a whole conversation kind of before she picked these on whether she wanted to do some things that were, were familiar to her um, or not. Mm-hmm. And so this had been sort of a suggestion that I made as a, as a not option um, uh, or something that she was not familiar with, you know, something that she hadn't seen. Um, so I, I think that it was a good pick. This was really, I think, the only one that I did throw out. Mm-hmm. Um, because you ended up landing on it pretty quickly. Um, well, yeah, because also I had, like, I had made too many, like, separate piles, I think, for myself of, like, stuff that was familiar to me and what I wanted to watch. And I had just started to to really unravel a little bit in the deciding process. And I, and you, you suggested this, and I was like, yep, let's go for it. It sounds great. <laughs> no, yeah, I think, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm glad that you went with it. It's, it's a fun one. And I guess I'll probably, well, even though it was sort of one film experience, I think that we'll probably still end up splitting it in into sort of two discussions as its separate parts. We'll discuss it as a presentation, but I think we'll still talk about it as its two parts, Planet Terror and Death Proof, sort of separately. Well, yeah, because I, mean, um, I mean, I guess they like, they did do this kind of as like a joint thing, but like... You know, it is really two separate movies that are stitched together with some, some like, added on, um, what are those called? Uh, credits. Like, oh, the little, the, the yeah. little fake, uh, previews Thank that you. are in between. Yes. Yeah, the fake credits. trailers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, as always, uh, you know, this is Film Bud, so we have a clip, so take a listen. Say a prayer for you, old man. No dead bodies for Dada tonight. Have me wrong. I got bit. Bit by what? If I told you, you probably wouldn't believe me. They're not living. What the hell is that? They're not dead. The hell are the bodies? They're gone. They're not stopping. The hell is going on?
so that was Planet Terror, which came out in 2007. It is directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by Robert Rodriguez. And the premise is after an experimental bioweapon is released, turning thousands into zombie-like creatures, it's up to a ragtag group of survivors to stop the infected and those behind its release. And it is starring Rose McGowan, Freddie Rodriguez, Josh Brolin, Mar- Marley Shelton, Jeff Fahey, uh, Michael Bean, Naveen Andrews, and Bruce Willis. Uh, and those that's kind of our main cast. It also has a, a cameo with Fergie. A very important um, cameo mm. with Fergie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's Planet Terror. Uh, dear, do you want to start this off? Um, or... sure. I mean, I really enjoyed this movie. This movie is a is a crazy roller coaster ride of you know just kind of like what you really expect from this genre of movie. You know, we've got the like the hokey plot points that like really tie it all together. You know, it's it's really on the ridiculous meter at an 11 mm-hmm. um <laughs> with the like the zombie apocalypse uh bio weapon plot to the the like our stripper with a heart of gold like it's it's right up there with like all of the cliches but it's it's done really really fun and really well i think no yeah um so you i i agree i like this movie a lot i think that of the two movies, it's definitely the sillier of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that also of the two filmmakers, Robert Rodriguez has a slightly... Um, and I don't mean, I guess, silly in like a bad way, but I think that he has a slightly more... Um, Less serious undertones? Yeah, you know, he's definitely a little bit more absurdist where, you know, Quentin can sometimes try and keep it, you know, within the, the confines of Quentin, I suppose. Mm-hmm. More grounded. Whereas Robert definitely lets the whimsy kind of fly a little bit more. Um, yeah. A little bit more almost, I think, Sam Raimi in that kind of aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite liked this. Uh, it reminded me of, you know, some of the plot points of other zombie things that, that get parodied a lot nowadays, you know, where mm-hmm. it's a, a chemical spill that's being covered <laughs> up, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So, no, I really quite enjoyed um this movie a bit i think on a certain level i i always like it um but it it's not my favorite rodriguez movie and it ultimately i don't think is my favorite part of this overall experience though but i like this movie a lot and overall like i love the experience but i think that planet terror is great um but i don't know the whole thing is so good that on a certain level um I hit, I think, like a certain sort of uh, point where parts of it, I think, hit better for me than others. Interesting. You know, as like time has gone on. Uh huh. Because I've seen this movie a few times. Um, True. I mean, and this was my my first watch of it. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's very almost like kind of watching like a Fast and Furious movie. You know, you're going into it going to watch yeah. something ridiculous. You know, it's it's but it's going to be fun. It's going to make you laugh. No, yeah, and, like, I, I will say that, like, this movie is always a blast for me. Mm-hmm. I never have necessarily, like, a bad time with it. Um, I think the movie, for the most part, flourishes whenever it is being as ridiculous and hokey and, and campy and over-the-top as it wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, its emotional moments are fine, and they work, and they help keep the story going, but, like, you know, it's definitely... You're definitely in it for the for the thrills. Yeah, no, because also like this movie isn't really taking it it that seriously. Like no. even the like you know the really gut wrenching parts of this movie aren't really all that like they're 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 done with a wink and a nudge. I feel yeah. like you know it's just subtext to get you through some of the scenes. Um, but for the most part, I really um I like this movie. I think that it's a really I think that as far as Robert Rodriguez goes, this is probably, it's not my favorite, but it is one that I probably prefer of his. Um, I think that of the, like, Robert Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez things, it's that double R, it's gonna kill me, um, movies that I've seen, (laughs) 
the only other ones I've ever seen are the Spy Kids ones. So I really can't say, like, how I feel about this as compared to, like... The three Spy Kids films? <laughs> yeah, because they're for children. And this is not that. Yeah. Not even in a little bit. So, like, I just, I really enjoy this kind of, like, complete, you know, flip of directorial style from at least that one franchise that I know him from. No, yeah, that's... But um, I think it's a it's a very big switch up i think obviously in terms of tone and 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 genre but there are definitely some ways you know it's set in texas mm-hmm. again um it's got familiar faces it has a largely hispanic cast and many of our lead characters are hispanic that's something that he does in many of his films mm-hmm. um and it also has i think his his very particular sort of um visual flair that is somewhat on display in spy kids but definitely probably you would see more like trying to think of a good shot that would explain it um oh the the prep scene where the kids are getting ready and he does the like you know the bandaging of his fingers and stuff like that Mm -hmm. kind of like when you're seeing some of these characters get ready Mm-hmm. In, in in Planet Terror. Those are all very Robert Rodriguez-y kind of moments. Okay. You know, the very splashy visuals. Mm-hmm. Just sometimes for the sake of, of the splashy visual. No, and honestly, like, this is... This movie, I think, has enough of that that, like, I don't get tired of it either. You know, it's a nice balance of it. It's a it's a nice, consistent ride, I'd say, through um throughout the whole thing even with the the cut that is that is in it for the missing reel yeah (laughs) honestly i really enjoyed it i thought he like timed it perfectly like i didn't really miss Mm -hmm. it it felt like a natural transition and like what parts i did miss like oh no i it didn't really matter at the end of the day like i caught up (laughs) here's here's a question Mm -hmm. how familiar are you with the the grindhouse genre and and that sort of thing um zero percent okay i couldn't name you a grindhouse movie right now okay well they could they could always range in in content and and ideas but the whole the whole premise was essentially once upon a time you would have these movies that were kind of second and third tier movies a lot of them were usually rated R, geared more toward like a, a teen to to young adult audience kind mm-hmm. of a thing, late teen young adult audience. And they were meant to be these kind of really graphic in every level movies, you know. Um, they were more violent. Mm-hmm. They had more sex in them, you know. They were they were raunchier places for stories to take place, you know, like an all-women's prison, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. how raunchy. Um, places where it could have the, the right combination of sex and violence. So, well, yeah, especially mm-hmm. when you put them in, like, skimpy little little outfits and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's one of those movies, yeah. people. People are shiny for no reason in this movie. It's kind of one of those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I would honestly say that I think one of the reasons that he does so well with this movie is because on a certain level, that's kind of always been inherent in a lot of his movies. Mm -hmm. I think that he relishes in, in being kind of this like B movie auteur sort of thing. Cause like from dusk till dawn. Yeah, of course it is. Cause from dusk till dawn is a very similar, you know, premise. It's, it's people against a horde. It's not zombies. It's, Mm -hmm. it's vampires this time, but it's, and and you know kind of like with this movie you know it, it presents itself the opportunity for you know scantily clad women and mm-hmm. ridiculous violence because selma hayek is like our stripper vampire queen and <laughs> stripper with a heart of gold um, and quentin tarantino <laughs> um quentin tarantino is our is one of our heroes who's like this criminal it's like two bank robber brothers played by george clooney and quentin tarantino love it um so he's always he's always lived in this spot and I think that this was really more than for Quentin. Mm-hmm. I think this was just a, a complete step in his natural sort of train of filmmaking whereas I think this was definitely 
a little bit more of a sidestep for Quentin. You know, this was right in his wheelhouse. No, yeah, and I think that that's why this movie is so fun um, from beginning to end with, with how, like, ridiculous the plot is and all of these, like, melodramatic characters um, I just, I really enjoy it, but you know me, like, mm-hmm. I'm from theater. You know, I love me some <laughs> some ridiculous plot yeah. points. Um, but yeah, and so the reason that these kind of movies, also, I got a little off topic, I <laughs> Um, the reason some of these movies would get paired together would be because that would be, like, the, the way that they would get the the theater to take something that the theater actually wanted, mm-hmm. or they were, like, a, a theater in a more urban kind of area, and so they they went for, like, you know, cheaper movies that they could get because Mm -hmm. they were kind of a cheap run theater you know and they were oftentimes done late at night and so you would get these rowdy kind of crowds almost like rocky horror picture show or the room sort of now you would get these very interactive audiences and people screaming at the crowd and and it was you know a big thing well i mean like back in the day they also had so many you know you couldn't just look your porn up online you had to go to a theater i feel like this is kind of still in that vein almost with like without literally crossing the line over into being porn like this you know this could have been oh yeah (laughs) i mean there's a grindhouse movie that i've seen i'm totally blanking on the name i'll have to i'll have to try and come up with it and essentially what happens is like this high school student ends up becoming like a like a hooker mm-hmm. in some capacity and like she's you know on drugs and stuff like that and there's this really the thing that i remember the most about the movie and this is a grindhouse movie like a true proper grindhouse movie um the thing that i really remember about the movie is there's this one moment where you see the van that is like her first pimp's van <laughs> and <laughs> It's just like rocking back and forth, you know, and and the pimp is standing outside and the camera kind of pulls to the right as, you know, the door opens and the John gets out and starts to walk away and the camera pulls to the right and there's literally like a line of dudes who have like their money out and like the pimp like gets the money from the next guy (laughs) and he clambers into the van and the door shuts and the next guy walks up. And so like, you know, these are the kind of movies that, and I think that this falls, like, perfectly, like, mm-hmm. right on into the pocket, you know? I think this is, like, a fun representation of what that felt like just for, like, a modern time. Yeah. And, and you know, as a little backstory, I guess, to the overall experience, I'll put it here mm-hmm. before we continue on too much further. Uh, Quentin and Robert knew each other for years. You know, they were both guys who came up in the independent film circuit in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And... They obviously, of course, worked together on, you know, From Dusk Till Dawn, and they were very good friends, and they had this kind of, you know, idea to, to work together, and they thought that it seemed like such a natural, guaranteed success, easy idea, like, mm-hmm. absolutely, and they both loved these kind of films. You know, Quentin has a very vast, extensive collection of 16mm and 35mm grindhouse movies in his in overall collection. Saturday night, you um, know? And he has, he is known for kind of like devouring genres as well. Like he'll sit down and just sort of like crush a genre in a few weeks, you know, just rip through some of the, the big ones, some of the small ones. And I guess that's how, you know, you really love the craft if you're willing to like dive so headfirst into it like that. Yeah. And so for them it was both a a pretty natural idea and the idea was come together write some movies produce them together cast them together Mm -hmm. and then shoot them out of his studio in austin and and just do this whole big massive collaboration thing wow um and i think that i think that it definitely works for robert i think that it works for quentin still but i think of the two films the the one that i think even if it isn't necessarily my favorite of them, actually, I think that it's technically more successful is probably Planet Terror as an overall presentation. I'd say that that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any complaints, I guess, for, for Planet Terror from you? Um, huh. How'd you any... like the performances? Any actors stand out for you as good, bad, anything? Um, okay, let's see. So, can you pull back up the... The list of Madu? Yeah. Honestly, I thought everyone, for the most part, cast-wise, did a pretty good job. 
No, yeah. I mean, like, I think that the chemistry between what Freddie Rodriguez and mm-hmm. Rose McGowan is, you know, for the most part, very believable, you know, within this this hyper, you know, dramatic world. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that Josh Brolin does a great job of... Uh, the only thing that, like, really is weird for me about is just, like, the, the like, her hand paralysis thing, I think, is the... Oh, with the um, the doctors, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that she does a really good job. I just don't think that the movie really decides when her paralysis is over or not. Yeah. And I found that to just be like a, wait, what about her hands, mm-hmm. you know, for a really long time? No, I think that that's fair, but I think that that's also part of the grindhouse thing. You know, oh, certain yeah. certain story elements do not matter until they matter, and then they don't matter again. You no, know? yeah, because they made, like, a whole bit out of her, like, not being able to open doors to the cars mm-hmm. and stuff. And then, like, out of nowhere, she's, like, shooting guns and stuff. And I was like, wait, I missed something. I missed it entirely. <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> um, I love Freddie Rodriguez. I think he's a pretty underutilized actor. Uh, I really enjoy him in this, and even though it's a much-loathed movie... I really enjoy him as the guy who works out only one side of his body in uh, Lady in the Water. The Oh, that's who he is. He was also in that show Bull. Oh, yes, 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 cuz yes. he's the he's the like the the attorney or whatever mm-hmm. who yes, 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 my parents love that show. Yes. <laughs> um so yeah, I I really enjoy him, and I think that he's hilarious in this. I think he does. I think everyone does understand what the movie is. No, yeah, and they understand the part that they're playing, mm-hmm. and they're leaning really far into it, and it's just a fun time, honestly, a good ride. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I guess, and this is this is probably one of the the few Bruce Willis performances that I've seen you know, lately that, that reminded me that Bruce could act once upon a time. Oh yeah, no, you can literally forget that it's Bruce Willis because it's not about him. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like And he modern, knows what he's here for. Yeah, I feel like modern Bruce Willis is like, I am going to be Bruce Willis in this entirely and you can't get me to, to not, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm also essentially Bruce Willis who came to work with the attitude of, I resent being here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> pay me money, I hate you all. <laughs> um... All right, so overall, uh, another thing I guess that we should add, What? how did you feel about Robert Rodriguez's Machete trailer that he put before? Loved it. Yeah. Honestly, I loved all of the trailers in this, um, some more than others, but I really enjoyed um, looking at Machete because like, it, it did, it, again, it just brought me right on back into Spy Kids, and I was like, yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, that... That trailer, I think, is is the right thing to set you up for what you're in for. Mm-hmm. It sets the mood entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a great handoff, and also I think it helps that the first trailer that we get is also done by Robert, because then it's his style, and it sort of nicely then hands off into his first movie, mm-hmm. or his movie um, in the franchise, or in the, in the presentation. Um, and I think it does a great job. I think it's, it's a lot of fun, and they ended up... They did go on to make that into a movie. Really? Because yeah. of the trailer? Mm-hmm. Ah, It's good. the only movie, it's the only fake trailer from the movie that end up, ended up actually getting a movie. Good, good. Eli Roth tried to get Thanksgiving made, but it, it never happened, sadly. I mean, there's still time. I don't think anyone ever would have even considered for a second talking to Robert or uh, Rob Zabi about uh, his Nazi werewolf women. <laughs> women of the of the SS. I don't think anyone with Nick Cage's Fu Manchu. I don't think anyone would have even talked to him. Especially not today. No. Um, <laughs> the only one I think that you would probably still have a chance at making at this point now would be Edgar Wright's Don't. I think we should though. <laughs> I think that I I want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, so that was Planet Terror. Any other any other thoughts on Planet Terror, dear? Um, no, I think that it's uh, I think that it's super fun. Um, it's definitely one that I'll keep in like my back pocket because it's just a it's <laughs> it's ridiculous mm-hmm. in the best kind of way. And like this is this is I think is a movie where you you bring all your friends together and you watch this movie together and you have like some drinks and some good times and you just have a good laugh. No, I agree. <laughs> um. What would you give it out of five? Oh, let's see. What would I give it out of five? Um, fuck it. Let's give it a five. Oh. Five out of five! <laughs> <laughs> I All had right. a blast with this one. I'm sorry, guys. No, yeah. <laughs> 
That's totally great. Um, I'll go. I'll go four and a half. Okay, cool. Um, no, I think that that's a, a good discussion, though. And now we can go to, on a certain level, I guess, the more controversial somewhat of the of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, Death Proof by Quentin Tarantino. And as always, we have a clip. So take a listen. He's got charm. Is there anybody in this place you could vouch for to give me a ride home? Fair lady, your chariot awaits. He's got style. Do I frighten you? Is it my scar? It's your car. And he's got a set of wheels. Is it safe? Oh, it's better than safe. It's death proof. To die for. So, death proof also came out in 2007 shocking (laughs) and it is directed by quentin tarantino written by quentin tarantino and the plot is two separate sets of voluptuous women are stalked at different times by a scarred stuntman who uses his death-proof cars to execute his murderous plan wow so Death Proof at the time ended up sort of being known as um, a sort of like the the lesser of the two. It was mm-hmm. a bit of a of a dud. Um, I guess I'll start on this one since you started on the last one. Sure. Okay. And I think I see why. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's bad. I certainly don't think it's as bad as everyone makes it out to be. But, like, when this movie first came out, people came down on Death Proof kind of hard enough that it it shocked Quentin's faith to the point that he thought about directing the Green Lantern movie that ended up coming out with Ryan Reynolds. Mm. I don't know if Ryan was signed at the time, but he seriously talked with people about directing Green Lantern because of how badly this film was received. Um, He hadn't really had, like, a... A miss like this and i mean he was coming off the the high of like kill bill yeah and so it it definitely hit him pretty hard i was reading up on this movie a little bit before we started recording and interestingly enough he originally conceived of doing a movie about a group of high or college students touring slave plantation history students touring slave plantations in the south where at one plantation they end up being haunted by the vengeful spirit of jody the grinder who ended up being cursed by the devil after she bested him and she was going to like viciously torture and murder like all of these students and he was going to make the murderer like the sympathetic one and um he ultimately decided that that idea was too orthodox and (laughs) (laughs) quentin and he decided that he wanted to go in a different direction and he had apparently been watching slasher films and decided to Mm -hmm. do a slasher where his weapon wasn't a knife but a car okay and it came about because of some conversation he was having with a stuntman who was like, "Yeah, for ten thousand, you can just about stunt proof or like death death proof any car." And he was like, "Cool, great idea." And <laughs> Murder. Ultimately, I think that this is an uneven movie on on one big level, and I think that it's that the first half is way more in step with what the theme for the project was. Mm-hmm. And that's the part of the movie that takes place in Texas. And then we get to the part of the movie that's supposed to take place in Tennessee. Yeah. Or Kentucky. No, I think it is Tennessee. It was like, oh gosh. Lebanon, Tennessee. Yes, that's But it, it is still definitely being filmed in Texas, by the way. Um, yeah. That was hill country terrain. Um, but I think that once you get to the Lebanon part, it honestly becomes more of a tarantino movie and i think that that's where it starts to lose people Mm-hmm. what do you think no i think that that's completely fair um 
I also agree with that sentiment. Um, I do think that the beginning part of the movie is kind of like this, like, you know, it's this dude stalking these women at a bar. It's really like long game play. He's, he's in it for the long haul. And like, then the second half of it is, is, you know, a group of women go on a joy ride and he's like, you know what? It's broad daylight. Let's go hunting. And he starts, you know, ramming his car into theirs and stuff. And it's just a completely different mode of, of killing. It feels like two different people almost, you know? And I guess for me as a, as a, as a watcher, I don't know if that was intentional or not, or if it was, I guess I would like it to be a little bit more clear. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that also on a certain level, it works more as a slasher up front than it does in the tail end. And also I think that by framing it as a slasher grindhouse movie, I think that that's where he starts to come separate from the theme Mm -hmm. a little bit. Because at a certain level, the slasher, even though it is considered like, you know, by some to be an illegitimate genre, I think that the slasher had way more overall popularity and success, obviously, than any grindhouse film did. And so I think that he kind of ends up coming unglued from the concept mm-hmm. enough, even just in his core conceit for the story that he presented. Yeah. Because I think that if he wanted this thing to be a true grindhouse thing about a guy murdering women with his car, I think it just needed to be almost like a constant onslaught of that. Yeah, and I think maybe more, I guess, I don't mind the beginning part of it being really focused on these women and, um, you know, we really follow them along until we get to the bar. And that's where, you know, they've seen him following them around a few times. And, like, we kind of bounce back and forth between their perspectives there. But I think that after that first killing, when I was like, all right, he is my murderer. He has done horrific things. I think that I wanted to, like, focus more on his perspective instead of like almost copying and pasting a little bit of like all right now a new group of women exactly the same kind Mm -hmm. of beginning and then a completely different outcome it almost kind of felt like the first movie and the second movie squeezed into one movie if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. um you know death proof one and death proof two yeah in one movie Mm -hmm. and i don't think that i got enough of either of these groups of women to to really I guess, have that, like, audience bond mm-hmm. built properly for me to, like, really want to root for them more than um, I really did in the in the long haul. Well, and part of that is, according to the, to the book that I was reading, which is called uh, Quentin Tarantino, The Iconic Filmmaker and His Work, uh, by Ian Nathan, unofficial and unauthorized, I should specify. Um, but... Uh, according to the book, part of the reason to kill the first group after such a protracted period and all at once was because he was kind of almost doing a, a craveny fake out where he was hoping that the audience would think that uh, Vanessa Ferlito's character, mm-hmm. Arlene Butterfly, would end up seeming like the final girl where everyone thought that she would end up taking them through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But I think that he also knew that he couldn't necessarily scream it where she's only in it for 15 minutes and then she's gone. Yeah. Kind of like they did with Drew Barrymore. So I think that he instead was like, well, what if I just did this thing where I kill them all off in uh, one big batch halfway through? Yeah. It's incredible, by the way. No, such such a good scene. Horrifying. This movie, <laughs> I, I will give, you know, before... The great car stuff in this movie across yeah. the board um but i think that then that ends up being kind of the thing that makes it jarring but i think that that's also why he then relies on the natural and very palpable chemistry that is at play between tracy tom rosario dawson and, and zoe bell to ground you in that second group of people quickly mm-hmm. Um, because they are very likable, very funny characters. Yeah, and, like, you, you like them, you do. I just think that, um, gosh, I don't know. I think that I, I would have still liked to see, I think, something similar almost to, like, how far he went to get what he wanted from the first kill for these for these people. It felt almost like a like he had gotten the first one, and that was the greatest he was ever going to get, and this mm-hmm. one was just going to be like a cheap comparison in the long haul. So he had to like rush the end game in order to feel that high again. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think what also complicates 
some of the opinion that even I as an audience member have in the in the second killing is that he ultimately pulls up at the end mm-hmm. and isn't going to do it. No, yeah, he's he like, like comes out and he's like, yeah, that was that great. That was great. And yeah. it seems like unless that was supposed to be a fake out on his part and he was actually going to come back and do it anyway, it almost seems like he was actually going to back out because these women had proven to, I guess, be like more fun worthy than the other. adversaries. Yeah, because like, honestly, the, the first kill, he, you know, he goes at them full force. They hit each other head on and that is it you know Mm -hmm. you get to see the the horrible aftermath of this this accident from each perspective of the women in the car when it happens but like this other time i think that yeah i think that you might be right with him being like that was that was a blast you Mm -hmm. know getting to to hit that high with a group of people of of like-minded individuals the only thing is is it completely backfires for him when she shoots him yes and that's when it completely turns around oh yeah and uh, actually i think that that's i think part of the thing is about the the second half also being way more of a tarantino movie Mm -hmm. than being a traditional grindhouse movie or even a traditional slasher movie like the first half the second half does the very tarantino thing of taking this character that he's carefully crafted and sculpted into an image for the audience and going that image was a joke and a lie on a certain level. Look at this guy that you thought was big and tough, baby and ballyhoo, and cry his fucking eyes out mm. as he pours alcohol into his wound and begs for his life. And it's a very Quentin reversal No, yeah. in those final moments. And honestly, like I think that those are the, the things that really thrive for this movie. I think that the car stunts are great it's one of the best car movies you can possibly watch um i think that zoe bell does a phenomenal Mm. job i think that she's uh gosh i wouldn't want to be on the hood of that car yeah you know um and that stunt was was real Mm -hmm. and that's that i think that that's probably where the the like horrifying part of the second half is really rooted in like whether or not that she's gonna survive Mm -hmm. and i love i love the whole twist of like her shooting him and then them going on this whole like very grand theft auto yeah. chase him a do down the highways of quote unquote tennessee you know to chase this dude down and give him his just desserts and i just i love it it is very in quentin fashion and it feels just as satisfying as like the hitler death at um the end of what inglorious bastards mm-hmm. and really all of them you know the the end of um once upon a time in hollywood Mm -hmm. very cathartic (laughs) and also as a as a very random aside um that final car chase you know it is also the moment on a certain level cinematically where the killer is now on the receiving end of the final girl Mm -hmm. you know and and the killer is the one that is now being attacked and depending on certain readings of of horror and slashers and things like that you can actually read an essay that i wrote about it in in college on the filmbuds.com some people talk about how the key element of the slasher right is the uh sexual and ultimately penetrative nature of many of the ways that he kills mm-hmm. in that it is often oh, a blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah what's interesting is quentin says this is a slasher and then when we reverse fates mm-hmm. there's the moment where tracy tom is essentially on a certain level sort of visually uh sodomizing the kurt russell character when she is smashing the car into the back of his car and she even uses the very pointed language of you know i can't let you go without tapping that ass one more time Mm -hmm. and so i think that like he does some really great stuff he pulls on some great stuff in the genre it's very clever it's awesome it's cool stuff and i think about this movie a lot but i think it's more imperfect Mm mm-hmm than planet terror i think that i i like to look at it as like uh you know the the perfect scenario for this killer and the imperfect scenario for this mm-hmm. killer you know him where everything goes exactly the way he wants it to mwah, perfect you know 
excellent meal whereas like the second one it goes the exact opposite way for him like nothing really works in his favor Mm -hmm. in the long haul and i think that that is where this movie is really interesting Mm it's like really breaking down the like you know what is right you know Mm -hmm. and what is justice yeah you know um i really i really did like this one Mm -hmm. it is definitely not as campy as the other one by any any margin Mm -hmm. and ultimately therefore also on a certain level less fun and i think that the thing if i were going to make a guess on what i think actually doomed this movie it isn't really i think the movie itself because for the most part i think that even though it has faults i think it's still very interesting and good i think Mm -hmm. the issue is that it, it came second and after all of the fun that you have of planet terror you it is then like... a lot harder to sit down and have a very chatty Quentin yeah. horror movie. Where also for the second half, our slasher character is almost nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. You know, our slasher is there alongside our victims watching them for all of that first story. And then in that second story, he is at the beginning of the story, he is at the end of the story, and he is nowhere in the middle, and it's a lot of talking. Yeah. Um. And I think that that made it a little bit of a come down for people after the blast of the machete trailer and the other three trailers. And then here comes like a Quentin does a grindhouse movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that everyone was primed for that at that point. And honestly, like, I think that it would have been better received if they have just flipped the order of the movies. You know, you have the the quieter one earlier in the night, you know, where you're still more alert. And then you have the, the crazy blast one at the end mm-hmm. that keeps you like, you know, you're hitting that like probably midnight high at that point. Like, mm-hmm. it's just crazy. You know, all the alcohol is set in. And I don't know if I would want to 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 basically be probably falling asleep to a Quentin movie if I had it the other way around. Yeah, it's the it's the classic issue that if you listen to like uh, cinema bookers for um, theaters talk about when they're trying to do like genre double features, it's like mm-hmm. how do you organize the films? Mm-hmm. And it's a real art to it. And I, I think unfortunately this is one instance where they they missed. I think that the idea was, like, Quentin is the big act, Mm -hmm. so we'll save the big act for the end of the night. Yeah, but this isn't a concert, you know? Yeah. And the problem is, I think that that that's what really sunk it. Yeah, and I mean, like, he also puts in the, like, references to characters that you see in the Robert Rodriguez movie as kind of almost like a prequel, so I think that even then it could have worked perfectly as a, like, a, a nod Mm-hmm. on to like what we, what they were going to see next yeah absolutely um i i do have two fun facts for our, our listening audience so Ooh. uh the the first fun fact is that at the end of the grindhouse credits which are the death proof credits you see these sort of like ghostly images of of different women and a lot of people have been curious about that and my wife asked about them yes and so i decided to go and look into them and apparently they are from the ends of reels and are typically uh little bits of footage that are essentially used as a um a chemistry correctness test to make sure that a film strip has been graded and and treated and all of that correctly Mm mm-hmm and so it's meant for color testing and color grading and things like that. Um, and they are referred to as China girls or China dolls because apparently at one point they used, instead of people, little porcelain figures. Okay, because, um, well, the reason that I asked this question is because, like, you know, these, these women's faces and all of the, the imagery that you see was, was not in any of of the movies or in the clips that we saw for for fake trailers for for movies um and so i was like what 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 is this mm-hmm. you know and so i part of them were like mannequins with like wigs on and stuff like that so that kind of in in lieu of the the porcelain doll you know i saw i saw more of those and i was like ah aha mm-hmm. that's 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 the the connector you know but some of them were like one of them looked like oh gosh what's her name um like Lana Del Rey or something it was super random <laughs> I don't know how authentic they really were but it was really cool to see them yeah um 
I think that those were all like legitimate. Oh, that's even cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, because also like, I'm sure Quentin has some sort of old film stock that has some of them at the end of. And honestly, she could have probably looked like Lana Del Rey because mm-hmm. Lana Del Rey pulls on a very like vintage style. Exactly. So, um, the other one, and this is for friend of the show. Uh, I think that he'll enjoy it at least. Henry Wilkinson. Uh, there are three Rent actors in Death Proof. Uh, there is, of course, our film Mimi, Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. And we also have Tracy Tom, who was in the film version of Rent as well. Yeah, she plays um, Joanne. Mm-hmm. And then in the bar scene in the first half of Death Proof, there is a, a woman who comes up to Jungle Julia and all of them and acts out this whole the woods are lovely dark and deep you know the Mm -hmm. the conditions of butterflies lap dance she acts out the whole scene uh and with arlene and that is uh marcy harriel who it was mimi uh on on broadway and was also vanessa in in the heights on broadway as well yeah so we had we had three rent actors yes three musical musical actors uh all in one movie. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that... That's why their chemistry is so good, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so I thought that y'all would, would enjoy that little fun fact. Um, if you had to give Death Proof a score out of five, what would it be? Um, I think that I'm going to give Death Proof... Oh. Um, I think that I will give Death Proof a four... Um, because it's, it's not my favorite Quentin and I can see where, um, you know, it could get lost in translation, you Mm -hmm. know, different interpretations for this movie where I think that his, um, his later films are more clean and, and, and definitely more to the point. Um, so yes, I'll give it a, I'll give it a four. Okay. Uh, I'll give it a, I'll give it a four as well. I think that that's fair. Cool. Um, overall... What would you give the the Grindhouse experience? Oh, both <laughs> films and the trailers in the middle and all of that. Oh, it, I had a I had a blast. I thought that this was perfectly, honestly, in in theme with like um with Halloween. And I always I love Halloween. Halloween is my my favorite holiday. Um, and so I thought that this was this was just a lot of fun getting to see some new in theme movies. Um. I, I'm curious to go and, and watch some more Grindhouse movies now, honestly, to see, like, what they're truly pulling on and more of a direct, um, I guess, connection. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, I, I had a blast with this. I, I recommend it. It's two movies in one. Y- you can't beat it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> two movies in one with also a bunch of fake trailers, uh, one by Edgar Wright, um, that has several cameos in it. Mm-hmm. It's it's my favorite, I think. Don't is my favorite of the of the fake trailers. And honestly, like speaking of the the trailers, it's just a lot of fun to know that that directors, you know, have these friendships and have these lifelong connections that they're willing to to be like, hey, we're throwing something together. Do you want to help? Do you want to have some fun with us? Because you know, it's it's so nice to have camaraderie in in an industry. No, absolutely. Um. Well, I guess that wraps it up for our discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I guess left moving on was uh, a little bit of news. I think it's the most interesting, interesting bit of news. I know that there's plenty I could talk about, but I think that this is the the, the thing that I wanted to to share with listeners in case you weren't aware. <laughs> Currently, uh, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, or the IATSE, mm, rolls right off the tongue, is about to vote on what would be the largest labor strike in Hollywood history since the 40s. And the background behind this and what's at play here is essentially the labor people of theatrical and and film production and presentation and such were in a contract negotiation with a producer's union. Uh, I will come up with the exact producer's union. They were discussing with the 
Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. And after four months of negotiating, they hit last Friday, and no agreement was reached. And it's largely because the IATSE is looking for slowed-down production times, um, better breaks, better meals... Um, because essentially what's been happening for years in the Hollywood industry, if you don't know, the way that your content gets made is oftentimes under very, very difficult, laborious, sometimes even life-threatening and health-threatening circumstances. Thirteen and a half hour days, only one day off where then it's your day traveling. And it's, it's an issue that's very dear to my heart, um, because for, for years now I've been talking about how I think that the way that Hollywood has done things has been a pretty big corruption of a lot of things. Um, you know, I spent a, a brief period of time in L.A. and certainly nowhere near any of the hardships that people faced, but that industry is is built very largely on the on the backs of its its foot soldiers in this whole thing which are production people mm -hmm. um and so this friday they're going to be voting on whether or not they would like to strike so that they can secure better rights for themselves hell yeah yeah and <laughs> i normally don't you know like to get on a on a soapbox and and ramble it y'all but this is very important um Movies are a business, and TV is a business, and I understand that, but we're dealing with, with people's lives at a certain level, and when you go out to L.A., you know, for many of us people, we hear horror stories, and, you know, there was, of course, all of the stuff that came out from, from the Me Too movement, and, and that was a lot of positive change, but when you really get down to it, it's, it's a, an, an absolute corruption of power. Mm -hmm. at every level and um i think that if we as responsible consumers of film and television and as people who love this should want the people that make these things to have you know i'm not saying the same i'm not saying that they need to leave billionaire lifestyles but they should be afforded common decency and they should they should be able to lead decent lives and i know what you're thinking you know it can't be that hard. It can be. And when you get out there, we're talking about people who are in their 30s and 40s with families where because someone at the studio said, you have to have this trailer, just a trailer, in by X date, you end up spending the entire night in, in your office cutting a trailer because someone at Sony said... We can't possibly have this trailer another time. And so I think that as we, as, as responsible consumers of media and as people that love this, we should want to honor and respect and be there for the people that help make this happen. And that is so many more people than are on the screen. And so I think that we should all be standing in solidarity with these people. Um, because they are just like you and me, they are average people, they are blue-collar people who do not get all of the big checks, that do not get all of the big proceeds. And the fact that their treatment is as bad as it is, is, is honestly unacceptable. And, like, I could really go on about my time in L.A. and what I saw, but honestly, it is an absolute abuse of power that has allowed quite a few people to allow quite a small number to live very lavishly. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I mean, you're, you're entirely right. The industry has become very warped, mm -hmm. um, where the people with money like to keep money, just like in every big industry all around, mm -hmm. and we need to stop. Mm -hmm. Because I think that everybody should have the right to, to you know, to, to time off. Mm -hmm. to, to not having to work 70 hours a week to get something done. To, you know, just because of demand. Fuck demand. I don't care. You know? People, 
people don't complain that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays because it's always been closed on Sundays. Mm -hmm. So, like, we just need to change the rules and people will just, you know, fall in line. And Mm -hmm. honestly, the only people that are truly complaining about this are the people who want to keep all of the money to themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. And we can do our part not only by standing with them, but also being aware of the fact that content proliferation and our incessant demand for it is also one of the things that has driven this. And yeah, it's unsustainable. It's a it's mm-hmm. it's a plague, and we need to we need to calm down. And um, I I I am a firm believer, you know, in. In, in doing your part when you can, and, and I've often said that I thought that the that the current way that we make content, one, begets bad content, but it also begets a bad lifestyle. And I, I think that we, you know, should, should just do our part. And I wanted to bring it to y'all's attention, and I apologize if that was a little preachy, and you certainly don't have to agree with me. You can disagree with me if you'd like, but I just wanted to take the time and, and sort of share that opinion, because... Even just a year in L.A., seeing how it impacted people's lives was very damning for me and my opinion on the industry and at large, and has shaped a lot of my opinion about where it is today. No, I think that that's fair. I think that people look at the industry and assume that because there are movie stars and, you know, people who have all of this money that everybody is living like that who works in the industry, and that's just not true. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Um, and uh, I don't want to soapbox y'all too much, but <laughs> this is also why piracy sucks. It's like unions and stuff argue for percentages and afterwards things that then get dispersed out. And so like piracy is not a victimless crime in the sense that like you are also hurting blue collar workers. And that's the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done here. And, and I, and I apologize. <laughs> um, no, but I I did want to bring that to y'all atten- y'all's attention, uh, and I I hope that you will have indulged me, and I I, I do apologize again for for the soapbox, but hey, it's important. I mean, this is stuff that's happening right here, right now. You know, you can't po- apologize for the fact that you know these conditions have proliferated for so long. You no, know? that's fair. Um, I guess moving on in in another direction. Um. So this month is going to be a nice, big, exciting October month. Wee! Uh, we, of course, obviously just did our first one. Yeah! <laughs> uh, next week is Day of uh, is Dawn, Day of the Two Dawns. There we go. With Dawn of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Uh, the original Romero film and then the Zack Snyder remake. And we're going to be joined by Sky Tilly on that one. Sky is also going to be joining us for another episode. I haven't revealed which one that's going to be, but he wrote uh, a master's thesis or paper on on a particular film, and I want to get him to come in and, and talk about that. We're also going to be doing uh, another Hispanic Heritage episode, uh, taking my own advice from <laughs> that episode where I said work it into your horror month. Yeah. I decided to work it into ours. So we have that coming up. And I'm also working on, we, we need to schedule it out officially, but, um, and maybe I shouldn't jinx it. I'll, I'll just say this. I got a author of multiple YA book franchises, um, one that has been adapted to potentially, uh, come on and be a guest. And I'm still in the process of figuring out all of the ins and outs of that, but we're going to have a bonus episode for y'all this month. Um, it's going to be a good time. I really love Halloween, and I enjoy horror movies, and it's my wife's favorite holiday. <laughs> um, and so we, we've we got a lot going on for y'all. Um, in terms of stuff that we've been watching, we recently saw Malignant. We did that for date night. Yes, we did. Um, also in themes. Yeah, I guess. Uh <laughs> Just watch it. That's all I'll say. I'll I'll wait a little bit longer before I talk too much about it on the podcast. Maybe I'll talk about it during our our final Halloween episode of the month. Oh, yeah. I think um, that's a good idea. But just watch it so that way you're ready for me to talk about it with y'all later. Yeah, because honestly, I think that you need the context. Yeah, just watch it. <laughs> um, and then what else have we been watching, dear? Honestly, 
Um, we've been watching Star Wars Visions, which has been good. Mm-hmm. We've been watching What If, which has been good. Mm-hmm. Um, Honestly, I don't know if we've watched any any movies really other than the in the other than the ones that you've mentioned. Yeah, we've we've had kind of a slow period because we've been a little bit busy with some other things and mm-hmm. and a little sidetracked getting ready for this, of course, as well. So yes. Um. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you haven't already, go and follow us on social media. Go and tell others. Uh, drop a review if you would like. We are at FilmBuds on Twitter and at uh, the FilmBuds podcast on Instagram. Um, we are thefilmbuds.com if you would like to come to our website. Uh, we've got all sorts of stuff. I'm going to be dropping also another essay uh, sometime soon, and I, I, I will say this as part of the, I haven't revealed it yet, as part of our horror month, I decided that I would show y'all the zombie movie that I made in college called Club Girl. Um, it's not as bad as it sounds, I promise. Uh, <laughs> um, but it, it'll be a fun time. Keep checking in with us. Um, leave a leave a question. We haven't had a listener yeah. question in a little bit. You guys yeah, got please. questions? Ask them. Um, and also, you know, just drop in and say hello. I love a little conversation. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Um, thanks for listening, guys. As always, have a good one, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.